Alright, this is episode 2 of the EO Boys podcast. I'm here with Casey Hawker from Opal Butte Outfitters. Casey, how you doing, man? Buddy, how about yourself? I'm doing well, just trying to survive the Coronas. <laughs> Staying... Crazy times, man. Crazy yeah, times. definitely is. It's It's something that I've never experienced before. I don't know. You're older than me. Have you guys ever had yeah. anything like this before happen? <laughs> no, you know, 9-11 it was, was pretty wild when that was going down. But, you know, that, that the uncertainty from it, like it only lasted, you know, maybe about a week or so, you know, and then you kind of figured out, okay, we were going to go to war. You know, you knew what was going to happen, right? Or, you yeah. know, I guess there was at least you could see the light this stuff man i don't know yeah it's i don't crazy. we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel on this one i mean things have gotten better but hopefully yeah, it just yet. continues <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm glad i don't own a restaurant or a bar right now yeah yeah i mean some restaurants might be essential but a bar they definitely wouldn't say that's essential but yeah uh, it's kind of crazy that you can that the government can just come in and shut you down. Yeah, uh, no shit, right? Basically, end your livelihood just overnight. I feel bad for all those small businesses because they're, I bet they're struggling big time right now. Yeah, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that are going to be hurting after this, man. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's going to affect everybody on some level. It, you know, I, I have a couple businesses. I have Opal Beat Outfitters and then we own an RV park and it's, you know we're feeling it yeah i bet but if if you guys if small business owners can make it out of this they can make it through anything i mean their their business can succeed if they can make it through this for sure it's everybody's getting a good good, tough hard lesson on economics right now on you know being you know i followed dave ramsey years ago and that's kind of just a system that we use but he's always talking about being prepared for a rainy day yeah or have a few months worth of bills and or money in the bank that you can pay your bills with and never ever extend yourself and this is exactly what he's talking about so you know there's some good that'll come of this um you know some people are going to lose their livelihoods and some people are going to benefit from it but you know it just it sucks yeah it's uh it's it's tough to say but the the sheep and the wolf method is really going to play into effect here if, uh, yeah. If if you if you feel like you're a wolf and you succeed, I mean you're gonna you're gonna get through a lot of things. Hopefully, yeah. people aren't suffering so bad that they're gonna. I don't know. Str- they're they're gonna be struggling, but hopefully they can make it out of this struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I, that's all you can hope hope for right now. Yeah. Pray for it. Well, shifting gears a bit, um, put all the the negative stuff behind us. Um, yeah. some of the questions we had for you was how did, how did you start Opal Butte Outfitters? Like, how did that all come into play? And so, uh, about, well, it's been 12 years now. Has it been 12? Yeah, about 12 years, uh, 12 years ago. <laughs> I was, I was guiding on another ranch and, you know, I kind of saw the, I kind of saw the, you know, the accessibility that you get on private property and that stuff and I had a buddy of mine who we renamed Nameless because we're not buddies anymore. Ooh. He screwed up. Okay. He screwed up through this whole process, but, um, you know, I don't know. I haven't talked to him since then. But uh, I was filming on this other ranch, and we decided we were going to make a TV show. And, I, you know, through this whole process, you start feeling, figuring out, you know, the budget that you need for a TV show. Uh you know, it's, I mean, back then it was like a half a million dollars to be on the outdoor channel or something like that. Damn. You got to buy, you know, cameras and equipment. So I was like, hey, you know, if we can get a piece of property and we can start outfitting on it, that'll help supplement our, uh, you know, our, our TV show and help buy some of the equipment. And, you know, that's kind of, that's where he knew Jim Kirkpatrick, who owns the Old Boot Ranch. And, called him and Jim Jim allowed us to come up and do some archery uh, archery hunts the first year we were we were in business so we did like I think the first year we did like five clients did you do them the that, whole year that, or, what's or, that? like did you do them the whole the whole season or just for like how you do now just like a 
a week no. or so. Nope, it was just two sessions. There was two guys in one session and three. Actually, excuse me, there was one guy at the beginning of the year. Then there was one guy after that. It was like a week long thing. But at that time, like I was, I did everything. I was the cook, the guide, the uh, you know everything um, when we first started. And then after that year, that, that guy had screwed up. Um, mainly not with me, but with Jim and some with me. But he was out and. That next year is when I took over all the booking and everything from then on. And um, that's, you know, Opal Good Outfitters started that first year, but it, I didn't actually take it over until the second year. Gotcha. And I've had it ever since. Um, you know, and then, I mean, you were up there last year. You saw what it is now. It's turned into, we, we picked up more property. We have, you know, I've got, I think I think I ran 45 clients last year um, total. Yeah, something like that. I mean, it's 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 crazy with how what it's grown, what it's where it started and where it is now. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a huge. Didn't you say it, starting out it was you and Dave a lot of the time, just doing uh, most of it. Padilla like when it first didn't started. Come on until year, Padilla didn't come on until the third year. Oh, okay. Um, he came over and he was on the other ranch that I was guiding on, and he came over to work with me. And then yeah, it was Dave and I for. Well, I would say till about year five, um, and we would just run, you know, we were still running like just two guys a week, you know, we'd run like six, seven guys, uh, and we didn't have any rifle hunts, we just did archery season, that was it, so, you know, we, had, we, we you know, I think our most with just Dave and I, we ran, um, I think just ten guys, you know, we'd run, we'd run a few guys non-guided, and then we would guide a few guys or we would bring in, we would do two on ones. We'd do that stuff. And then the fifth year is when we picked up the McGilligate ranch, mm-hmm. the other side of the road there. And, and I brought on Estes and then every year since we brought on Estes, it's grown. You know, we went from, I think the first year with Estes, we ran, was our first camp with six guys in it. And it was, there was three of us guides and this is just, we realized, you know, pretty quickly that running two on ones was really tough. It is, it's just archery hunting's tough. Uh, with, yeah. You know, you're, you're basically taking a guy. A lot of these guys come from back east and they've never hunted elk before. Uh, they've never even been on the ground hunting an animal before. Yeah, they're all um, tree stand hunters back east. <laughs> yeah, that's just how they hunt back there. Yeah. And, you know, we you know you know we've implemented that in our strategy, uh, tree stand hunting, but. It's crazy um, how successful you can be if you have a good spot for tree stand hunting. It, it's a game changer I, if you if you have the spot. People don't, you know. It's it's funny how you get into like the western western hunters are, you know, they take a lot of pride in getting on the ground. Yeah, the whole ground and pound. That's, that's awesome. Um, but and the reason why I, the, whole, the whole reason why I developed my tree stand hunting or elk was because okay, man, I'd bring guys out, you know these guys are paying us good money to come out here and they come out and they just, you know, they're launching arrows, but they can't connect because they don't have the experience. You know, we've grown up on the ground chasing elk and we're constantly, we're constantly moving and we're constantly, you know, yardage just becomes a thing that you get yeah. used to over time. You know, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't, I don't even necessarily use a rangefinder anymore when i'm out elk hunting it's just like i'm you know they're you know 40 50 30 50 you know you're always it's just like a sixth sense that you developed over time it's like oh okay i know how that far is yeah and you miss and you miss and you learn from those mistakes and then you start to that's how you develop well you get a guy that comes from back east that's the only the only time he's getting to develop is those five days in camp with you and they're coming out here and they're launching arrows and they're losing they're frustrated and then we're frustrated because I, I, I mean, I don't show me anything that's more difficult than taking a guy that is, you know, new to hunting elk on the ground and getting him inside of archery range with the bow and killing an animal. There's, I don't think there's a harder hunt to the guy than an archery elk. No, maybe some spot and stock mule deer, you know, but most of those guys that do that stuff, you know, they're, they're, they're skilled enough in that they're going to, you know, they're going to go at it and they're going to be just fine. But Archery elk hunting and archery elk guiding, I think, are they're the hardest. Uh, it's the hardest thing, especially where we're at in Oregon. You know, we're, we're over the counter unit. There's just a ton and ton of cows. You're not going to call in bulls. Maybe you call in the small bulls, but if you're killing, if you want to kill a big bull, you can't. You can't call that big bull off the herd. 
Mm-hmm. He's you got to slip in there, and you know I can take. I'll, I'll tell you, I can take any guy, no matter his skill level, and I can get him in that danger zone, that inside of a hundred yards on an elk. But closing that gap with two people yeah. is just that's the hard part. You know, basically once you once you burst that bubble, that hundred yard bubble, something's going to happen. Uh, once you commit inside there, inside that hundred yards, you know something's going to happen. You're forcing the issue at that point. And, you know, taking a guy, I can't take a guy, I've done it, but it's just, you know, once you get inside that window, man, it's just hard to just keep pressing, you know, you got to take, you just got to, you just got to go slow, and that that's the hardest thing about what I do, or what we do up there, is that, and so, we, we had years and years of this where we're, you know, there's so many elk up there, you've seen it. Oh, yeah, there's a shit pile, <laughs> especially once it hits. Man. You get action and you get action, but yeah. success success was evading us. And so I was like, man, you know, tree stand, tree stand hunting, you know, if we could do it. And, you know, when we first started in Oregon, it was like, okay, there's a wallow. Let's find the closest tree to it, trim every branch out of it and stick a tree stand there. And we had no luck at it. And then I think it was, it was our, it was our fifth year when we had Kevin Small. Uh, his group came out from Missouri, and Kevin has been an outfitter for Whitetail for 20-some years, you know. And he invited me back to Missouri to go tree stand hunting for Whitetail, and it's just like, okay, that's a bucket list hunt for me. Um, and I, everybody everybody that hunts out west should go back east and sit in the tree stand for a week. I love it. It's yeah. in my blood now. Freeze your ass but off, have, but <laughs> you're yeah, likely you freeze, to get some. I mean, freeze your ass off that is the truth you freeze i've i have never been cold like i've been cold back there but i this is my fifth year this last year was my fifth year doing it and i there's no way you're not gonna find me mid-november out in missouri in a tree stand it's like that's part of what i do now i love it would you say that your interest is shifting a little bit from elk during the rut to whitetail during the rut would you, as far would you, as me personally? Yeah. How, like, how do you feel? Do, do you feel like elk still takes the cake? Or uh, do you... I think the thing with whitetail is that that is, I get a hunt. Like, I, don't, oh, okay. I, haven't picked yeah. up a bow and, I haven't picked up a bow and archery elk hunted in, well, probably 10 years now, at least. Like, I, I, I haven't, because I can't. Yeah. If I go out and I take clients, uh, if I take clients hunting and they don't kill anything for whatever reason... Or, you know, if they kill something and then I go and then I go kill a bigger bull than them. Yeah, they're going to be pretty pissed off. (laughs) Yeah, it's never going to work. So I just don't do it. Um, Optics look terrible on that. Um, And most of the reason why I love to go back east is because I get a hunt. Yeah, exactly. That's it. You know, that's like, I'm I'm, uh, I'm in camp from usually end of August through September. I'll get like a week break and now, then I run into, I do a deer season, um, a deer, a rifle deer season. We do that. And then we do, you know, we have a little bit of a break and then we do, do our cow hunts and then we're, and then, you know, then it, it cow hunts basically from, you know, I'll run cow hunts anywhere from end of, end of first part of November, clear into middle of December, right before Christmas is usually when I'm done with my season. Yeah. So then what do you say that? dad be your biggest struggle as an outfitter is that once hunting season starts there's no stopping it's like the ball's rolling all the way until christmas time damn near Nah, it's not really a struggle that's just part of the grind you know i mean it's probably the struggle would be being away from the family okay Um, yeah being away from the kids wife yeah yeah you're you're away from the kids and the wife um you know i'm 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 at i'm at opal view archer season's the tough part because we run five day camps and then we'll do a like a half day transition you know where the old the the, the the that last group of clients leaves in the morning and then the new group comes in that evening and you know there's just really no break um it's just bam 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 you know we're doing 25 days to 30 days in a row and i'm the i can't leave um i just can't i, I have to be there um, you know, I try to give the guys that are helping me breaks, you know, then go home. And last year worked pretty good where we had that evening off and went home. Everybody got to see the wife and the kids and then come back the next day. Yeah. And 
you know, as, as far as being struggles that I go through as an outfitter, I mean, probably just that, the success, which goes back to the tree stand thing where, you know, why I started putting tree stands out. And now we've had good success with those tree stands. So that takes a lot of the pressure off. There's a lot of pressure, you know, um, on an outfitter. You've got to manage expectations. Um, and then you start, you know, you start getting a name for yourself. And then, you know, it's, it's, it, at, the, at the end of the day, if you're not putting animals on the ground, you're you know you're you're losing you're losing that's what guys want they want to they want to come out and they want to hunt they want to kill a huge bull which is tough nobody you know a lot of times when guys call me they're like i want to kill a 350 bull well buddy (laughs) i'm like call somebody else you know go go to a different state (laughs) yeah you're i mean people people don't realize how tough it is to kill an animal over 300 yeah um you know, they see stuff on TV and most of the stuff that's on the internet and Instagram, Facebook and all that stuff with these huge bulls is limited entry, you know, once in a lifetime type hunts. And that's the stigma that comes into camp. I've had guys pass bulls that are like 320, 330 opening day. And they're like, well, he wasn't huge. And I'm like, dude, yeah, for that's, Oregon, a that's, a, that's a good bull in Oregon for sure. That's a lifetime bull with but, a bow. Especially I mean, over the counter tag. There's guys out there who are going to listen to this and go, yeah, right, dude. I, I freaking kill huge bulls every year. Yeah. Okay, cool. You're awesome. Yeah, you're but, a stud. <laughs> but I, in, re- in reality, your average Joe, I mean, for them to even see a 330 bull in Oregon, over-the-counter tag, it doesn't happen very often. You don't pass on a bull like that. You shoot something like that. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't even pass on a six. I wouldn't pass on any six-point bull with a bow in my hand, even on Opal Butte. Give me a bow and give me the last week of the season. I'm going to shoot the first bull that gives me an opportunity up there just because I don't know, man. It's just, it's just one of those things I've seen guys pass bulls and pass bulls. And it's like, (laughs) you know, I get it. Like, yeah, you want that wall hanger. Um, you know, you want that wall hanger bull and you know, more power to you, man. I, I, I've trophy hunted before. Um, not very good at it, but (laughs) you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that, that uh, guys guys make mistakes by passing up elk, I think, and and not being satisfied with a bull that's that's you know you killing an animal with an arrow <laughs> on the ground is is awesome. Yeah, real you close know, encounters. It, it's definitely a whole different experience than say like your typical rifle hunter. I mean, you can be five six hundred yeah. yards away from it and smack it with a three hundred, but. You're in there. You're in their element. You're mm-hmm. in their. You're in their kitchen, man. Yeah. I mean, you're in their house. You know, getting down in there. And look, don't get me wrong. There's guys out there that can do it every every time they go out in the wood. Dave Padilla. I give Dave Padilla an hour. I think in one bull up there, and I let I let Dave hunt. That's part of his thing. He comes up there. But Dave, Dave in like three hours in three years killed three bulls. Holy shit! He's just I mean, he yeah. knows, but he also knows that place like the back of his hand. Once a rut kicks in, he knows where to go. He knows exactly where to go on that property. Yeah, Which is I mean, nice. and, I, and I would too. I just, I can't do it. Obviously, yeah. I can't. No, I get but it. I let, I, I love letting Dave go. It's fun. This is like, okay, how long is it going to take, man? Yeah. Did, I mean, well, how long did it take this last year when Ben shot his bull? How long did that take Ben? It was, it was the morning, right? Didn't they do it before? He shot it before noon and then found it sometime after that? I think yeah, they had that bull, they had an arrow in that bull at like 7 30 in the morning. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, <laughs> Ben's another one of those guys, man. Ben's Ben's a stud. Oh, you know, yeah. Ben's going to get it done every time. I know? mean, but all ben, those guys up there, you give them a bow, you give any of those guys a bow, they're going to kill something the first chance they get. They, oh, yeah. They'll get, they'll get in there, get in the kitchen, and and uh, bring Mama home some bacon. <laughs> yeah. And ben, Ben's like, you know what? I shot the first bull I had a chance at. Yeah. And it was just a nice 7x7, seven seven, you know, 300 class bull. Yeah, worked out uh, in his favor real good. You know that, and that's cool. You know, I'm, 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 I'm glad that guys that come up and help me get a chance. But Ben had the last day of the season to do it, and he did it in two hours in the morning. Yeah, and that's kind of how Padilla is. You know, when I when I give Padilla the green light, I mean, he's like, like I said, he killed three bulls in in three total hours of hunting in three <laughs> different years. I mean, it was like the the dude's just he's insane with a bow in his hand. Yeah, he's just one of those definitely. But I, one thing that I could bring to the table about being up there for the first time this year, I was expecting it to be like 
well, what, the first half of the season, I was expecting it to be like, oh, bulls everywhere. I, I mean, you're passing on opportunities trying to get big bulls, but it's just because it's on private property, it's still a hunt. I mean, you're struggling, you're busting your ass, hiking ten mile days. You're you're putting in the work to yeah. get something, and then during once a rut starts hitting real good, I mean, you get more opportunities, but you're still putting in that work. If if you fail a stock, you're going on several stocks trying to get in on something. I mean, there's so many eyeballs you got to beat when all the all them cows are in there. You're you're having to beat them at their own game, and it's a struggle. So for a guy, some average Joe to just come off the street, say, oh, I want to kill a big bull, buddy, you're in for a rude awakening because it's tough. You, you got to get down it's, and dirty to get there. It's tough, man. But you see, that, that I think that the, the main thing with that is that, like, when, what, what, like our standards is we, we want guys to kill. We're trying to kill big bulls. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, they're paying big money. They, they, they need to get a good-sized bull. That's really We're trying right. to kill big bulls, yeah. man. And we do. We have opportunities at big bulls. Mm-hmm. But – you know, we could probably set guys out there and cow call in some of these rag horns and guys can launch arrows at them. You know, whatever. Guys could, guys will be happy with that. Some guys will be. But, like, what what we've, what we've always tried to do is we're trying to kill the biggest bulls. And, you know, we, I, the biggest bull we kill on the ground was, like, 367, which is a slammer in Oregon. And the biggest bull we killed out of a tree stand is 357, 358, I think, is what he ended up being. Was that Captain right Hook? What's that? Was that Captain Hook? That was Captain Hook. Yep, he was 358. I was killed by a 75 year old guy out of a tree stand, which was like our second year with decent tree stands. Damn. And so, so. now, now what we have for tree stands is next level. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It is. So, it's a game changer. So a funny story about that bull, Captain Hook. Uh, one of my hunting partners, Ethan Ellis, and I were had some trail cameras set up like 10 miles away from Opal Butte. And we got pictures of him, and during the rut, he traveled ten, that 10-mile 10 distance or whatever to get to Opal Butte, and they shot it that season at Opal Butte. It was nuts. I didn't I didn't think anybody was going to shoot that bull. And, uh, oh, Hobie, right? Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi, yeah, he Senate. shot it out of a tree stand. Lucky dog. Yeah. That, that bull was amazing. It was a huge bull. Hobie, so Hobie had three different opportunities on that bull. And we're gone. Okay, Hobie, what's what happened? And he's like, you know, I don't know, man. That bull, I hear him. Here he's coming. Here he keeps coming, and then he just kind of goes up the hill and around me. And I'm like, what? You know, we're like, okay. And this was early in our tree stand game thing, and we're going, okay, what did we do wrong? The wind, you know? No, he'd run if it was the wind. Second day, we get up there on the hill, and we're we're watching, and here comes. Here comes old Captain Hook right up the draw like we set the tree stand for. Perfect spot. All of a sudden, man, the, here comes freaking Obi-Wan Kenobi with his freaking Primo's cow call. Meow. Meow. Yeah. We're like, oh, my God. Hobie. I get him down. We're like, Hobie, Hobie. Have you ever, have you ever seen an elk in a tree? No, I don't think I have. I said, well, neither have the elk, Kobe, so don't call. <laughs> don't call. Just let the bull come. And then the next the next day, Dave, Dave goes in his pack and takes all of his calls. He bought, he drove out from Florida, and so he stopped at, like, some Cabela's and bought every call in the book that he think he could use, you know, and he's up in that tree just blowing on that thing. But the next day, he stuck that thing, or maybe it was later that evening, he stuck that thing and gets on the radio i got one i got one and we go over there and that bull's down and we're like holy crap you know? things a toad yeah he's a cool bull man he's people so because uh, i think bull, I, I think i lost you there for I mean, a second you got me yeah i got you now sorry that that bull had forty two and forty three inch main beams, and he scored three fifty eight. So um, that's that's insane for Long, yeah, how he, small those beams were, man. Usually, you get bulls. You know, if he had you know decent beams, forty nine fifty inch beams, you know, you're talking another fourteen fifteen inches of of growth there. You know, yeah, he had he real long, him. real long guard eye guards and his oh, dude, big old sword crazy. on him. And he only had 
two-inch third on one side and an inch and a quarter third on the other. <laughs> yeah, those thirds, they, thirds in Oregon are weak for the most part. Always, That's the worst yeah, part always. about Oregon Bulls. They're weak thirds. We get that genetic up there with sh- the, the beams. You know, we get short beams and then, yeah, weak thirds. And then awesome, awesome daggers. Yeah, you know, that's big, big old That's days. our genetic, our Opal Butte genetic, if you want to call it that. I don't know. You know, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's crazy. So, Bulls like that going around. So shifting gears to another question that somebody had is what would you say is your most enjoyable part about being an outfitter? Uh, you know, um, I get to, so I guess there'll probably be a couple things, um, you know, taking a guy out that I love taking the guys out that are bucket listers, you know, that are, you know, you get all kinds of people and, you know, people that are super wealthy, they come into camp and, you know, they're awesome. But I like taking the guy that's saved up or whatever. And this is a bucket list on for them, or they bring their dad or something. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, taking guys out like that and, giving them the awesome, you know, giving them an experience. A lot of guys, you know, I, I, I've realized this, you know, I grew up in a log truck in the Eastern side of the state, you know, and I've been around animals all my life and got to experience elk, deer, and you know, everything I've been in the woods, you know, all seasons I've chased everything you can imagine fishing, everything, you know, I kind of grew up that way. And that experience to me, uh, is just, just, that was just life. You know, I didn't really, understand it but you take guys that have come out and you know I, i've had guys in camp that have paid twenty thirty thousand dollars on elk hunts and never seen an elk and i'm like what you know and that's crazy to me um you know you bring people like that and you can give them an experience like you take them in on an elk and they're physically just shaking yeah because they're 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 you know they're they're so they've never seen anything like that and they're you, you get done and you think, you know, you turn around and they're like, Oh my God, that was the best thing I've ever done in my life. You know, or that was or when you got, when you get that bull screaming right in your face, that's, that's, yeah. nice, and then they just come back and start shaking like crazy. It's like, yep. Yeah. That, you take that for granted. <laughs> like you take that for granted as a, um, you know, you get like, like I said, I, I grew up in the woods. I grew up around animals. So it's like something, I don't know the things that you get to see, you know, you kind of become used to them and it just becomes every day. You know, I was just up this weekend shed hunting with my boy. We, we probably saw 1,500 elk, 2,000 elk. Just, we're just driving around, you know, just blasting and there's elk there. Elk. People don't get to see that. And so when I get to take somebody that hasn't had much experience in the woods or been around elk or even seen an elk, that's rewarding. Uh, getting somebody, an animal that, you know, that's hiked with you and, you know, deserves an animal or whatever i guess the, the way you want to work that that's pretty cool i love taking kids um so, so speaking of that I, I saw recently you just posted a picture of ryan holding a big old six-point shed what do you, do you yeah. think he's uh he's getting all bug-eyed for shed horns now i mean it seems like the kids got pretty lucky this past weekend and finding them you think, yeah you think they're the, they might getting start getting fire, interested man. in it he, he killed his first animal when he was nine Mm-hmm. Uh, he killed a nice buck. Um, he hasn't shot. He ha- we haven't went elk hunting yet. I've been kind of holding him off a little bit on that. Plus, I get real busy on it. But no, he's getting the fire. He he likes going up there. He's starting to like. He's starting to enjoy going up to the mountains and shooting guns. And you know, we were shooting squirrels yesterday. Oh, that's and fun, he was man. Like, you can't. He was that. like, "This is awesome." <laughs> yeah. Know, this is so yeah. Just plunking him like, with a twenty-two. That shit's fun. Yeah, just driving around. Just mm-hmm. you know, whatever. There's one popped up. Shoot it! Whack! I mean, yeah. yeah, he's like he's starting to like that stuff. So, yeah, he's he's getting the fire a little bit, man. I I my I kind of pulled back. I took my oldest daughter elk hunting, and I had just a terrible. We had just a terrible experience with a, a spike. We shot a spike, and it just like wouldn't die. Oh, you man. know, like That's... wouldn't die. And so she went through that. And so I've always like I learned from that. Um, like okay, um, you know, kids aren't. My daughters, they're not, uh, they just don't take to the killing as, uh, as my son is. My son's been fine with it, but, um, my daughters, <laughs> they're like, mm, I don't, you know, it hasn't been a great experience for them. So I'm like, okay, you know, people are different and it's fine. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't hold it against anybody that does that. You know, my, my, old, my middle daughter, Shaylee, 
has been on a hunt and we kill the we kill the deer and no no problems nothing at all you know kind of that experience that whole thing and we go up and i go to gut it and she like literally not the smell just the sight she literally lost her lunch oh and i was like started blowing chunks (laughs) right and it's like okay you know people have different things so i've you know I'm going, okay, I'm going to just kind of take it easy here. And it's, yeah. we're around it. We eat it and, and that stuff. And with my son, he's he's just fine with it. But I've taken it slower than probably – I probably could have uh, progressed him a lot faster uh, in, the, in the hunting and outdoor stuff than I have. But, um, yeah, he's definitely – he's definitely taking to it now. That's good. He likes it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get your kids outdoors, man. But. Yeah, they're they're the next next generation. I mean, they they got to pass this on to to their kids yep. and the kids after that. So I mean, that's it's the only, important, man. You got to yeah. get them in it, and you got to get them. Yeah. That's the only way to keep I the like sport going. I like donating to. I'm, I'm always I'm a sucker for kids, man. So I, there's a group out of out of uh, Walla Walla that I don't donate to. It's called Cross Trail Outfitters. They kind of have a a Christian message behind there, but they take kids that are a little bit more, I don't know, they're, you know, they just don't have as much or they're not as blessed like a lot of people are. And so they, you know, they have a whole message around their outdoor thing. And so I I like supporting that kind of stuff. Um, You know, I've bought them wall tents and guns and stuff like that. Um, That's, that's kind of like back to the, your question, you know, being a, you know, what, what do I like about it? You know, being able to do that kind of stuff, you know, um, financially, you know, because, you know, outfit, our, our Opal Butte's grown to a point now where I can help out stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, here, here's a gun, here's a wall tent. As long as, you know, they're taking kids out and they're teaching them, you know, anything. It doesn't matter. They're teaching them about the great outdoors and what, um, the resources you know, that come along the, with it. it. Yeah, just that. I mean, there's nothing better than going up to the mountains and just kind of, especially right now, man. I mean, we were, cooped up for two weeks and and uh you know you you get a little depressed and you just get a little i was like let's go up and go look for some sheds bam just that half day in the mountains was like okay and so we've went four times since then (laughs) just kind of just resets everything right yeah Yeah. it is it's a perfect reset you know that that month of that month at opal butte is a grind it's tough that archery month up at opal butte but like at the end like give me three or four days to recover and i'm like and i wish i was back at camp yeah it's just a Do, different, doing it all over again you know it's, yeah. It's a yeah it's awesome yeah so you kind of mentioned what what uh like opal butte does with those programs so what do you think is in store for the near future of opal butte like what what do you see like what's your vision going forward what do you think how do you see anything that's changing that's that's a good question, man. I, you know, I, I at the, right now, um, it's all about survival. So, yeah, um, definitely, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah most important part right now. I mean, right now we're sitting on. They've actually closed, you know, they closed the forest down until September thirtieth. Are you so, kidding me? No, and that's I believe that's trailheads and stuff. And they, you know, they shut down turkey hunting and bear hunting to out of state hunters, and. So that doesn't affect me yet, but what I'm kind of worried about is this fall, if they shut down out-of-state hunting, which is a possibility. Because, yeah, majority you know, of the people so, that are coming are are from out-of-state, right? Right. Almost. Is that Ms. Hawk right there? Tell her I said hi. It was. <laughs> oh. <gone>. oh, okay. <laughs> she's gone. I don't know what she's doing. But, yeah, so I'm kind of just, you know, right now just kind of, before all this, I was looking at locking up another piece of property. You know, there's just there's things. You know, it's it's hard. One of the, it's hard to pick up. Uh, it's hard to pick up ground, man. That's it's hard. It's hard to pick up ground, and then you know you're constantly dealing with. You know, you've got you've got a, you walk a different line as an outfitter. Um, you know, I, everything I do up there is by the book, man. I don't I don't take any shortcuts or anything like that. I can't because I got different eyes on me than the regular guy does you yep. know in the mountain. i mean and People you're, you're always, at risk of losing your your guide license if anything goes bad too so i don't no not on private property in oregon you don't have to have a guide's license but you just you know there's 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 things you you just you know and then the, 
people are out to get you. They want what you have. Yeah. And and you you know you have to kind of walk a different line. So as far as the future of Opal Butte, man, I mean I don't know. We're just trying to uh, continue what we have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get better at it. Um, I, I I don't know. Like I said, with what's going on in the world right now, it's kind of like everybody everybody's probably pulling back the reins. I know I. Um, just kind of sitting on cash and just waiting to see what happens you know, on the other side of this. So survival of the fittest yeah, is what I'm focused definitely. on now. Definitely. So do you got any hunts planned for this next season if everything goes as planned? <laughs> like if they allow us to do it, do you got anything planned for you or the kids or anything? I don't. I don't have I, – I, like literally I had some stuff kind of thought of that I was going to do. The only the only thing I have for sure is my Missouri trip, mm-hmm. um, and that that's really it this year because of what's going on. I and I you know I've applied in several different states. I haven't I haven't drawn anything yet, um, and we still have some draw deadlines coming up. You know, Oregon's coming up, stuff like that. But I I really haven't because of um just because of what's going on. It's hard to plan. Yeah, it's hard to plan. Is. You know, spending money on stuff right now when you you know, you don't know if you're going to get some coming in. So, I, like I said, I pulled back everything. Um, I mean, everything. Not, I'm not buying anything right now that isn't related to food, shelter, <laughs> or, you know, just necessities. So, um, yeah. it, I mean, this is kind of actually – so it's like a blessing and a curse in, in itself because a lot of people, they're saving money. Those who are still working, they're saving their money and buying – things that are necessities rather than shit you don't need well hopefully that's kind of yeah that should be what everybody's doing i mean there's going to be a lot of people there a lot of people that were stretched in before they're starting they're done yeah you know they're gonna they're gonna have to file bankruptcy or they're gonna lose their house or their whatever um then there's some people that were probably you know just I, i mean i was on the verge of doing an expansion at our rv resort we were right there and kind of got a little distracted about two months ago from a different thing, and that was a blessing. Uh, in the in the in the in the fact that had I invested in this expansion, uh, I would you know it'd be things would be a little different right now. But um, you know, if if you just if you just opened a business or you just bought a house or whatever, and you lost, I mean, you know, those type of people, you can't control that. You know, it's just one of those things. That's the risk of investing. But, uh, yeah, I no, I'm not <laughs> buying anything. So that that's, you know, that's kind of hurt outfitting too because I, you know, I've had hunts booked for years in advance for the last four or five years, and then when we started hunting with Chad, uh, like, you know, Mountain Ops came out that year. And after that, my phone doesn't stop ringing. People want to book hunts, so I haven't had a phone call on since it started and i lost i have nine openings for opal butte this next year i lost six guys and did they, um, did they pull out because of the virus yeah oh wow yeah yeah six guys pulled out because of the virus um and the, you know that's i was i'm a kind of expecting more yeah you know kind of expecting more luckily i was able to i've kind of been able to kind of sell some of those to chat um, mendez was able to book four of those six so uh, now I'm down to I've got I've, I still have uh, uh, five spots open right now and I've never you know we've never not, had that not had them the filled yeah and no, I have those filled so you know and then the the possibility of not being able to do the hunts this year is is real it's a real possibility and you know we live in freaking liberal states they're jackasses that run this you know Oregon Oregon Fish and Wildlife um, our local biologists are great. Oregon Fish and Wildlife, they have, uh, you know, environmental animal rights people that pretty much lobby and run it. And, you know, we live in a liberal state and that's, you know, that's part of our biggest problem. But, you know, they're, 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 they're jackasses, every damn one of them. And so them, the, the chance of them getting to shut down hunting in Oregon, they're going to jump at it. Oh, yeah, 100%. And they're going to jump they, all over the They that hate hunting. They hate guys like you and me. They hate <laughs> us. And so, you know, them to jump on that, yeah, that's a real possibility, man. There's a real possibility that, that we don't get an archery season this year because they just, whatever. I mean, Oregon only has a 1,000 cases 
in the whole entire state. And they shut down Eric's the like, whole state. Oh, <laughs> Damn near yeah, the whole state. Yeah, they shut down the whole state. It's the dumbest shit I've ever seen. No fishing, no, you know, none of this crap. I mean, it's just. What, what, another thing you know, I find so weird is that it's a, yes, it's essential to go and get your groceries and stuff, but they closed down like the the national forest saying that they don't want people going in there but that's probably the safest place you can be right now is in the forest away from everybody else everything right and so there's an agenda behind it yeah that's yeah. the agenda it's the freaking liberal jackasses that yeah. run run stuff that will oh yeah because we want to shut you out of the forest that's why they yeah. live in freaking portland or Eugene or Seattle, and they drive Subarus, and they never go to the mountains. <laughs> they got Birkenstocks on. They never go to the mountains, and they enforce environmental policy. Yeah. They're so, idiots. so speaking of that, I mean, not to really touch on a whole lot of politics or nothing, but do you think with all of this going on with the virus that it'll affect the elect- elections later on this year? Oh yeah. Because I oh, mean, yeah. they none of them can campaign. Neither one of them can campaign right now, so it's not like they can join and and rally for one or the I, other. You know, there's a lot of shady stuff going on right now, especially in the Democratic Party. Um, is it going to affect it? I, I I mean, I don't know. Trump's been up there every day on the on the TV, and if hopefully what people are seeing is how corrupt the media is. Yeah, I agree. How, I mean, I mean, just always, imagine, yeah. what is the point of the media? The point of the media is to report on the news. Report it, not with opinion, not with, you know, bias. An agenda or, or nothing like that. Tell us yeah. what's going on, and we're supposed to make the decisions on it. Not up, every one of them freaking reporters up there trying to ask these stupid questions about <laughs> how can we get him? How can we get him? It's I think they should be hung. <laughs> Holy <Everyone>. shit! <laughs> they're, they're they're ridiculous, man. Yeah. Hang every one of them bastards. That's the way I feel about it. But hey. So how you know. how have you and the family been staying sane? They're at the house. Have you guys been tough, man? Clean. I know. I Wait, saw you guys I, been doing I, a lot of cleaning. Well, yeah, we're. We're a little different. We have to kind of take this seriously because my son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So his immune system is so, probably a lot lower, isn't it? Yeah, that's the theory behind it. Or, you know, that's what they say. He's immune compromised. Yeah. And so we have to take things a lot more. I haven't been going to my office for the last about 10 days other than just to do deposits and stuff because to try to stay away and try to just limit the exposure. Yeah, I mean, you know, we go when we go in, when the wife and I go into stores, we have gloves, masks on. We come out, we desanitize. I mean, we take it seriously. We have to. Um, and there's only 200 cases in our city. There's like 200,000 people that live here, so it's, it's crazy when you put that on paper and you look at the chances of it. I guarantee you, I couldn't look up 200 cases. I couldn't up look up 200 people in the phone book, and you wouldn't know one of them, or I wouldn't know one of them. But you know what I mean, like. It's just, we have to take it seriously. So how are we dealing with it? It sucks, man. It sucks. We have a nice home and we have everything we need. You know, we're, we're not, we're not doing without, um, but being home all the time, especially when it's nice like this, it's 75 degrees outside right now. And you know, you can't, you can't go do anything. It's, it kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> if it was like December or January, That'd be perfect. Yeah, it'd be it'd be fine. All right, we'll stay inside. We'll watch TV. But I'm, shit, when it's sunny outside, I don't want to go nowhere, man. I've been up at Oval Butte hunting for three or four months. I don't care. I, all I want to do is be home. Yeah. But yeah, right now when it's spring, man, I want to be, I want to be out golfing and you know fishing and hike hunting, all that stuff. It just it sucks, man. Yeah. I think I mean you know everybody's dealing with the same thing though. Yeah, we're all going through it. We all got to get through it together. Yeah, one way. Yeah, or I mean everybody's. You know, we got to help each other. I think that's what. That's my takeaway, man. When I'm, when I, when I, um, you can kind of get caught in the media, and you can kind of get caught up in the, you know, in all the what they call it, the sensationalism. Uh, the best thing that I've found is like when you can help somebody. You know, whatever it is, man. You bring them a, you can bring them a bag of ice. If you're, if you help somebody, you're, you're gonna. Uh, it changes your 
it just changes you, right? It just changes your your whole whole demeanor. So I've been trying to focus on that. How can I help somebody? And um, you know, whatever it is, I I bought some. I found some toilet paper, so I bought them. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, somebody needs toilet. Here you go, man. I got it. Whatever, you know, just little things like that. It actually helps. So uh, that's what I've been focusing on. That's good. That's good. Well, uh, do you got you got anything else you'd, you'd like to add or kind of bring to the table? Something, something for the future. Uh, what, what else you'd like to see at Opal? Changes you'd like to see in the industry? Oh, changes in the industry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you get you heated now. Get you really. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Let's get rid of some of the bullshit. Yeah, there's that? there's a lot of that going around. I, yeah, definitely a yeah, lot of that. Yeah, there's some good things, man. I've I, being in where I'm at. I've dealt with a lot of people in the industry. Um, I've seen everything from the camera to the, you know, the camera guy, the photo guy, to the TV shows, to the the influencers. I've been around all of them. I mean, there's some good people. Um, Chad Mendez is one of the best that I've ever been around. He is. Uh, and and that comes from experience of having the TV shows before that. You know, when we started back two thousand and in two thousand before after we started back to like two thousand six, we had we started getting into the TV show thing, right? Because you start, you know, like it's it, you grow up and you want I I want to have a TV show in camp, right? It's, it's like oh, I'm gonna be cool, right? And then you realize they're all dicks and. They don't care about anything other than just getting an animal on film, so they're launching arrows or you know whatever. They don't care. They just it's all about getting the show. Yeah, get, getting that all. getting that shot. Going from yeah. that to the influencers, and there's some influencers that are like that, but um, you know, there's there's good people in the industry. And there's bad people in the industry. I think you know, like the guys from Mountain Ops get a lot of crap, but they're good people. Uh, I had Jordan in camp a few years back. He's awesome, dude. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they mean well. Every, I mean, for the most part, most people, they mean well in everything they do, but just some of the ways they approach it, and it just seems like it's coming off in a negative way, and people aren't yeah, too fond I, of that. People, people are going to flame. I mean, it is. I'm sure there's people that want to flame me. I don't care. Whatever. I, you know, I know what I do. And, you know, when you, you start getting a little more... I'm not going to call myself famous because that's not even close to the word, but you start getting a little more notoriety or whatever, you're going to get haters. Oh, yeah, definitely. It, it, that's yeah. like that with everything. Right. Yeah. So you get, and, and people don't even, you know, one of my favorites is like at the show, we're always sitting at the show, and guys will come up, and I can see them now, and they're sitting like, they'll sit back behind everybody in the aisle, you know, and they're just like, they got their arms crossed, and they're scowling, and they're like, they're just... They're just pissed, and you can tell. And I'm like, you know, and and backstory, little backstory on Opal Butte, the Opal Butte Ranch and the Miguelia Ranch used to be owned by, um, used to be owned by Kinzu, who was a, a, a lumber mill, right? And they sold, you know, they were forced out of business. The logging industry was forced out of business because of environmental freaking idiots. <laughs> And these guys, you know, these guys have been hunting up there for years. They come up and they're pissed that we run an outfitter business on the property. And, uh, you know, and I'm just like, like my favorite thing, I'm just like, look, dude, we, what would you do if you won the lottery? Can you tell me you wouldn't buy a piece of property oh, like shit, that? Oh, yeah. shit, yeah. Yeah. And you're, you should be, you shouldn't be pissed at me. You should be pissed at the freaking environmental jackass <laughs> that shut down logging because they put all the logging companies out of business and then they had to sell this property that they let you hunt on for years. That's the, that should be your anger. Focus it at these guys. Yeah, you know? definitely. But, you know, I, I don't know. You, you get guys like that, and then you get guys that, oh, my God, you hunted with, you know, you hunted with Jordan Harbertson or whatever. I'm like, dude, he's, he was cool. I, those guys, you know, Chad's cool. Those guys are cool. Some of them, some of them, none of those guys, but some guys are, they're douchebags. But, you know, what are you going to say? The guys, the guys, I know some guys that should be like, like Ben. Ben should be like a social media superstar. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. speaking of Ben, that dude, that honor, right? And he's just like he's legit. Yeah. He does everything. All you know, super nice guy, works hard, hikes like a some can call elk like nobody's business. Hunts all over the place. Like there's there's the guy you want to put on TV, right? No, yeah. that that here's the douchiest guy in the world that 
I don't even know why, but never hunted, whatever. But we're going to put him on TV. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how some of those things work out. I mean. It is. Yeah. Changes in the industry. I don't know, man. You're never. It's never going to change. No. It is what it is. It's always going to be chasing the, chasing the rabbit down the hole in the industry. I don't it, I'm, I don't know. BHA, get rid of that. <laughs> oh, right. man. There's, there's a lot of people with mixed emotions about that thing. And after, I don't, I still have mixed emotions. I don't really know how I feel. There, there's a lot of stuff. You live, that, you live in Oregon. You yeah. live in Oregon. You live under democratic policy. Yeah. These guys that are, that are like in the middle of the country, live in Mont- Bozeman, Montana, whatever, and have a, like the guys from the eastern side have no idea what it's like to live under Democratic. They vote for Democrats under as an environment. No, dude, you're done. You're done. It's the dumbest thing in the world. As soon as I saw it come out and they started endorsing Democrats, I was like, yeah, no, this is bullshit. This is fake. Yeah. You, you wouldn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, ra- I was raised under it, but my family was was put out of business multiple times because of Democratic policy. The spotted owls, you know, they forced us from the side of the state. We we were we were raised over in Wallowa County, you know, and all those you know Hepner. The reason why I have Opal Butte is because of Democratic policy shut down the timber industry. Oregon, Oregon was a timber. You know, it was it was logging. That's what Oregon. Yeah, that, that's what it, that's what it's based off of. You drive built. down the Columbia River and you can still you can still see all the old mills and all that stuff. And then it, like they're the freaking the soccer team. The, what are they? The Timberjacks or the yeah, the Timbers, the Portland Timbers. timbers? They they have the axe and everything, but they hate. Don't cut down a tree, though. Don't cut down a tree. <laughs> cut down. Ooh, I mean, really? Come on. <laughs> So I mean, tree, like, trees are one of the most renewable resources we have. Why don't we take advantage of that? You plant, you put a seed in the ground, a tree will come back 20 years later. And it's just, it's, dumb. It's, it's so stupid that Fluffy they're making such bullshit. a big deal about it. Fluffy bullshit. Yeah. The Tiger King. <laughs> Speaking of the Tiger King, you watch the whole series? Yeah, dude. It's, I watched it. Oh my. can't not watch it, man. It's like a train wreck. Dude, it's bad. <laughs> it is so bad. But it's I funny. My first thought was like, man, that that's some really good math. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, how do you, where do you get all of that at, man? That guy's got some good stuff. He he's got good. connections of Walter White type shit right there, hundred percent, ninety nine percent pure. The Breaking Bad, that's what came from Breaking Bad right there. Like, what in the world is going on in Florida or where Oklahoma or Florida and Oklahoma? Good that, night, is the man. Wildest, that is the wildest, wildest thing I've ever had. But that's what that's that's what these animal rights activists and these environmentalists, that's exactly the same crap, man. That's what they are. They're just so wild people, man. And they influence policy. It's dumb. <laughs> Tiger King. Yeah. I was I, I don't know, man. That's there should be laws against that, you'd think. Well, because of situations like that, I think they are they have implemented laws in in place of like being able to own tigers. Like I guess it's now illegal. It should be. <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? It's <laughs> the craziest thing in the world, man. The guy's got tigers and freaking bunch of meth addicts running around. <laughs> the, dude, the dude or the girl or whatever that lost lost her arm. Yeah. She's like coming back to work the next like two days yeah, later. That's like, yeah, no, I had to be here. And then, and then I saw the follow-up episode where she never got any compensation or nothing for that. <laughs> what? You lost your arm and you didn't get anything. That's crazy. That is the craziest thing ever. Yeah, that's that's some messed up shit right there for sure. You'd find that though. You go to you go to any of these animal rights, these humane society, uh, any of those PETA, any of that stuff, Defenders of Wildlife. Those people, that's exactly what they are. They're that crazy. Just yeah, as crazy as that Joe guy and that Carol person. Oh, Carol. Carol definitely yeah. killed her husband. She's batshit yeah, crazy. She, she killed her husband. Yeah, did you see the picture of her and her new husband? with Like, he's got her on a... She's got the, him on a leash. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is, dude, that's it. That's, that's, that's it. Climate change, that's all it right there. That's, that's, that's all in one, one giant... 
that's that's the people that are influencing policy right there. Yep. Making the laws. I'd, ha- I'd have. I'd probably have to. Yeah. That's. It's bad that that's what this world's come to. But anyways, sh- uh, shifting gears again, what uh, what would you say is your wildest? craziest experience you've had in the mountains or encounters with elk or situations like that what what's your best hunting story that comes to mind my best hunting story that comes to mind or just some your experience hunting experience or craziest what's the first thing that comes to mind when you when you hear that question man i don't know i'd have to think about that one (laughs) (laughs) crazy experience i mean i you know i haven't really had any like dangerous ones yeah um i was stuck in you know i was stuck in i I went on a brown bear hunt in alaska and i was stuck in the i was stuck in the mount i was stuck up there for well shoot we, we flew into uh we flew into king sam and then we flew out to this little village called igigik and we get there you know, we're in camp with like Scott Haugen. He's got like a TV show, right? And we're on a brown bear hunt. And these are like back then; they're like twenty grand. And now I think they're like thirty or forty for these same hunts. But we're fil- I'm just filming. That's all I was there for. But I'm in camp. We're in camp that night, and we somebody breaks out a bottle of Crown Royal, and like he opens it and passes it to me, and I'm not a big, I'm not a big drunk, and so I just like took a sip well i turned to my right and i there's this new guy i don't even know where the hell he came from <laughs> i don't know where he's, he was one of the guys from the village across there and i'm like you know just here you go hand it to him whatever i hadn't seen him yet and he grabs the bottle and about the time i hand him the bottle i look up and our guides across the room and he's like already coming at me and i hand this guy the bottle and the guy just hammers his bottle just chucks it like I never seen you. a fifth of Crown Royal like all before the guy got there and took it out of his hands. There was just a quarter of a bottle left, right? Well, this guy is passed out under the freaking table in ten minutes. He's <laughs> drunk, just dude, right? Face drunk. Like, <laughs> right. One of the Inuits from the village, you know, they don't do well with alcohol. Put it that way. Well, we go on this brown bear hunt and we're out there for ten days and our we get into this freaking high windstorm thing it was like 130 mile an hour winds and we're in this little cabin out on this you know on this ledge right i mean it's just we're on the top of this little mountain and this cabin's up there and i don't know how long this cabin's been there the wind's blowing so hard i mean it's shaking the walls you know we've already been there for 10 days we have no shower whatever or our boat out front sinks from the water uh the waves rolled into the boat and sunk it and so we're we're stuck we're we're stranded well we got a satellite phone what the guides do and so you can get you know this was this is back in like 2005 i think something like that but the satellite phone only works at certain points of the day at least this one did right so he could get on the phone and he could call and couldn't get a hold of anybody but the guy at the village this dude that was the drunk oh geez the vill- the one the one guy is the drunk yes. in town <laughs> that's the way you can get a hold of him and i'm like okay so you got a hold of him and he's like yeah he's gonna come and get us tomorrow and i'm like okay well tomorrow comes no dude and i, I think his name was carl he doesn't show up oh carl <laughs> yeah and i'm like Oh my god, dude! You know this is crazy. You know we're. St- I want to go home right now. This is day eleven, and I haven't showered. Um, you know, getting that ice cold river. Uh, I ended up doing that the next day, but I just, you know, you just get, you're just done. Like it was one of those hunts that just went when the wind blew every day, every day. It was just, and I was filming, and you're just, you just want to go home. And we're out there in the next day, and so our our guide, one of the one of the other guides comes down through the river and he has room for our, one of our guides to get on the boat with him. So he goes down the river and he leaves us and we're stuck and we're, the guy's supposed to show up that day. He doesn't show up. And we, we've got the satellite phone that only works at like two times during the day or three times during the day. I can't remember, but we're, we're you know, we're there and we, we've got plenty of food. We're not in any danger, so to speak yet. You know, we're in Alaska. We're, we're like, we're like right on, you know, that Timothy Treadwell dude that got eaten by his bears. We were like right on the edge of that. We were actually hunting those bears that that guy saw, right? 
So we're like way out, you know. The only way you get in is float plane or boat up the river. That's it. That, yeah. it there's no, you can't land a plane out there. None of that stuff. Right? So that, our guy goes back down the river. The boat, the wind comes up again, sinks their boat back then. So they're stuck there and we're stuck. We're still stuck. This guy hasn't come. This is like, we're on day like four of this. And I'm like, this is 14 days in. And I'm going, all right, I'm next. I'm walking. It's 42 miles down. Holy back shit. To, back to the bank, back to the river, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm walking. I don't care. I'm leaving. Sun comes up in the morning. I'm leaving. And I'm walking all the way back. And the guy that was with me, he's like, yeah, I'm going with you. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So we're like, the guy, you know, the guy that's with us, he's like, no, 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 I can't let you do that. I can't let you do that. I'm like, dude, I, get somebody here or I'm, I'm walking. I don't care. I'm not going to sit here and wait for this freaking drunk guy to show up. Damn you know, Carl. <laughs> yeah, freaking 14 days later. But he finally showed up the next morning and picked us up and ran us back down the river. And we, like, literally, we show up. Here comes this plane to pick us up. I and mean, we didn't get a chance to shower, like, real shower, with a hot shower, you know. Mm -hmm. Jump on the plane, and we just went plane, plane, plane home. And the stuff we had on from there, and it was just, that was, I mean, that was a crazy experience. I'd go back in a heartbeat, though. It <laughs> do it all, would you do it all over again? <laughs> yeah, but now we have better technology. So, like, you know, you got those spots and stuff like that that you can communicate with people with. So, if, you know. Back then, though, yeah, we had that satellite phone that only worked like a certain. It was like one hour. It would work for an hour every three hours or something like that. It was just weird, but you know, crazy experiences. I've had some wild ones at Open View, just elk, you know, elk being an elk, but nothing like that. I haven't really got to do a lot of adventure hunts, man. Like, you know, where you you're in danger of, you know, which I which is on my bucket list for sure. I want to do some more of that going forward like get into more areas like like alaska like fly in drop us off like that kind of stuff man i want more experiences like that so that's yeah. on that's that's uh that's on the bucket list well did sure. you guys shoot a bear in those uh, yeah one of the guys so there was two two hunters um i mean i this is this is this is like the the business partner of mine that i had uh -huh. This is like this hunt. Here's here's the backstory to this whole thing. Is I go and film this hunt, right? And it was supposedly like given to him. His father-in-law passed away or something. Well, the money that we made at Opal Butte Outfitters ends up being what paid for this hunt. So I paid for this hunt in some respects. But that's why he's no longer in the game is because of stupid stuff like that, man. But uh, one of the guys did get like a nine and a half foot bear. Um, missed a freaking toad of a bear like the first day but um I, I still have all that footage from back when we were filming we were filming for a tv show at one point and i i i think i filmed like 350 hours i have all that footage i have brown bear footage i have goat footage i have a couple sheep hunts that i filmed i mean i have turkeys all over the place deer hunts i mean elk all kinds of elk footage you know Cool stuff like that, but never it's never been released anywhere. Well, hopefully in the near future we can uh, make something happen to where people can start seeing that shit. Yeah, I've got a cool. I've got a cool. Um, you know, I went. I went on a sheep hunt with Jim. Jim in Mexico. That was a pretty cool experience. I filmed that one. Uh, desert. That's a that's a cool experience, but you know. I have all that footage just sitting on sitting on the hard drive. Collecting dust on the hard drive. <laughs> Not doing anything. Yeah. Well, where uh, where can people find you on the old social media? Uh, me or Opal Butte? Both. Opal Butte. Well, I'm, I really, you know, I don't do much on Twitter. I'm on there, but uh, and I don't, I don't. I'm basically on Facebook and Instagram. Opal Butte Outfitters on Instagram. And Facebook, and then Casey Hawker on both of those as well. Right. That's really, and then I have a website, opalbeatoutfitters.com. Opalbeatoutfitters.com. All righty, perfect. Well, shit, thanks for joining us, man. That's, it was, uh, it was fun shooting the shit. We'll have yeah, to buddy. do it again with the rest of the crew from Opal Butte and 
Yeah, let's see, see that. that see, see what kind of riot we can't come up with. Get it up at camp. That would be fun. Yeah. All, all of us sitting around yeah. in the evening on a podcast would be hilarious. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, there's some <laughs> That one might have to be edited because there might be some things that should not be said or shared with the public. <laughs> Let it ride, man. Don't yeah. be fake, right? Just yeah. Let it ride. Let it rip, tater chip. Well, Chip, man, you have a good one. You and the family be safe out there, and we'll be talking. And, okay, uh, buddy. Take care. We'll uh, see, you on the, see you on the other side. Okay, man. Take care. All righty. Have a good one. Okay, bye.